Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Spencer Tuma, your Director of National Legislative Programs. Eric's gone this week, and so I've decided to take over the podcast. We're getting ready to hear an update from BJ Tanksley on the last week of legislative session, which will wrap up this Friday. We're going to hear an update on the upcoming Farm Bill, which is expected to hit the House floor later this week, and we'll get into the details of feral hog eradication with Regulatory Affairs Director Leslie Holloway, so stay tuned. B.J. Tanksley is our Director of State Legislative Affairs, and we're coming up on the last few days of the legislative session. B.J., thanks for joining us. What are thing, what things are going on in the state capitol right now? Yeah, so we're looking at the final week of session. Uh, Farm Bureau has seen some successes, both on the uh, broadband easement language front and on the uh, clean water uh, law. And uh, as we go into the last week of session, we're looking for a few more things. Um, we've got some issues with the Broadband Development Fund we'd like to see get across the finish line, as well as an ag omnibus bill, which is sitting in the House. Um, those will be the two top things that we'd like to see get done in this final week. You know, we've got, uh, we're doing this on Monday, mm-hmm. so we have five days of session left. The legislature will adjourn at 6 o'clock on Friday. So we'll see how much we can see get done between now and then. But from our perspective, those will be the two main things, Broadband Development Fund and the Ag Omnibus Bill. Now, on the Broadband Fund front, um, we've seen a lot of discussion on that. I've talked about it on here a few times. But we came into the session looking for a bill that would help facilitate broadband into new areas of Missouri that don't currently have access to high-speed Internet Mm -hmm. and that would try to remain provider-neutral. Um, And we've come to a place where we have a bill that pretty much does that. It does a pretty good job. You know, there's been a lot of conversations with the provider community Mm -hmm. because obviously the bill has to work for them because ultimately they'll be the ones bringing that Internet. Um, So the bill, as it currently currently sits in the Senate, um, will be a Senate substitute, but it would facilitate new broadband at speeds of 25.3, which meets the federal definition of broadband. Um, and it would bring those into unserved areas prior to increasing service in what we call underserved areas. So unfortunately, if you're in an area that has 10-1 service now, uh, you wouldn't be the first priority for this project for this proposal. But this would get it to those unserved areas first. But we would facilitate 25-3 development first. Um, and then also, what's also important to our provider community is it has a strong challenge process. So that says that if you're a provider in a certain area, that you can prevent state funds from being spent to come in and, and, and work against you or to compete with you if you're providing a good quality product. So this bill does allow for a challenge process that if you're providing 25-3 and scalable technology in that area, that state funds shouldn't be brought in to then compete with you. So I think we've come to a really great place. You know, it's taken a lot of discussion. We started out the year with a bill that we were happy to see movement on, but weren't necessarily supportive of the uh, the provisions therein. But now we're seeing a bill that I think everybody's behind, and we'd like to go ahead and see that get sent to the governor in these last few days. Um, and then also on the ag front would be the ag omnibus bill. Senate Bill 627 is in the uh, is in the House now, and we'd like to see the House take up and pass that bill as is. Um, that would be the biggest thing. Is um, we've seen the the House obviously pa- or the Senate passed it once, but having to go back in this late hour, you never know. So we'd like to see the House here in those last few days take up and pass 627 as is. Mm-hmm. Senate Bill or yeah, Senate Bill 627 includes uh, provisions relating to. Um, meat labeling, 
And sure. that's protecting that meat product should be that from a production livestock or poultry uh, carcass. Um, and to make sure that we're doing correct labeling. It's to protect the consumer and the products that are currently on the shelves to make sure that we are selling things correctly and not misleading in those products. It also includes regulation of seed and fertilizer remaining at Missouri Department of Agriculture. Uh, Missouri Farm Bureau members have policy that's directly in line with that, that secures that MDA is the ultimate regulator of most ag inputs. And so we want to make sure that that is done. Um, you know, when we see tough conversations having to be had across the United States about what kind of inputs we should use, we all know that producers these days are operating across county lines. And this is a great opportunity to avoid what could be a patchwork of regulations where you could use one seed in one county but not in the next or the same thing with any kind of uh, fertilizer or application where we want to make sure our producers are, are playing on a level playing field across the state and just making sure that we know the rules that we're being governed by. So it's kind of a proactive bill to try to make sure that uh, that MDA you know, uh, stays in control of those regulations. So I think there's some good opportunities here in the last few weeks. Um, obviously, or in the last week, um, obviously you never know in these last weeks because sure. there's major priorities from all kinds of different areas coming in um, and kind of competing for floor time. Mm -hmm. You know, the House and Senate will both be on the floor upwards of 12 hours a day in the next few days, um, but that floor time can become very precious when each bill does take a little while to get done. Um, one other thing that's out there mm -hmm. at this point is still a transportation issue. Yeah, Missouri Farm Bureau came into the uh, into the session talking about transportation funding as one of our priorities of trying to get something done. And lately we have seen um, an increased effort to try to come up with a proposal that would go to a vote of the people. So it would go to the vote of the people and then for their approval. Uh, this would be a 10 cent gas tax increase. Um, to try to uh, facilitate some more funds to our highway to our highways and bridges and then also that would help fund the highway patrol as well oh, okay. so it's a new effort um, but it would have to move through the house and the senate all in this last few weeks um, so we spent some time in the end of last week talking about that effort as an as an option that could have the chance of passing a vote of the people to get some additional uh, funding for our roads and bridges. We all know that that's, a, that's an issue that has to be addressed, and this is just another opportunity to try and get that done. Um, so as, as I've said a few times in this, thing, time is getting short, uh, but hopefully we can see several things get done here in the last few weeks. Well, it sounds like you've got plenty going on these next few days. Um, just a couple of things that I, I wanted to follow up on. So the Broadband Development Fund, now correct me if I'm wrong, but that does not actually give any money to the fund. Is that correct? It just establishes that? Yes, that is correct. So this is establishing the parameters by which Department of Economic Development would, would manage the fund. At this point, there it hasn't been an appropriation made. I personally think it's an easier conversation to have in the Capitol sure. when you're talking about a tight budget. Um, that let's set up the parameters and then we'll come back and look for some of that funding. You know, it's tough when you're having to try to pass it and fund it in the same year, mm -hmm. but hopefully by setting up these parameters, um, then we can allow that to be facilitated in the coming years. The other thing is this would be an option if the federal government were to ever send money to the state level mm -hmm. and say, you run this, then this could possibly facilitate those funds. Oh, good. So depending yeah. on different options, um, private investment, uh, 
federal government getting involved. There's many different ways where this money could come in rather than just a straight state appropriation. But this would set up how, to, how we would facilitate that in the state. So. Well, it certainly seems like a good step forward. You know, I feel we talk about broadband a lot at the state level and at the federal level as well. So um, certainly would appreciate, you know, if the legislature moved on that. But and on the transportation front, you know, I think that's something that's of interest to our members and has been for quite some time. So what would the financial impacts of that be for the Missouri Department of Transportation? So um, the, the 10 cent gas tax increase would dedicate those funds to the highway patrol. Um, so it will be phased in over four years, a two and a half cent increase each year. And once fully implemented, it would bring in about 288 to go to the highway patrol. Okay. 288 million and 123 would still million would still go to your local counties and municipalities for their infrastructure needs. So then that would equal about an 8 cent increase for for the Missouri Department of Transportation to go to roads and bridges. So it gets kind of funny with the math there. Sure. Um, but it does make a significant increase in our roads and bridges funding um, that MoDOT thinks would go a long way as we move forward. Um, obviously that really just sets us up to where if it was going by if the price was just indexing from the last time we indexed, it kind of just shores us up mm-hmm. to uh, the normal, uh, the cost of living as of now. And so, um, it, but it would be a great step forward because if we don't do anything, then we're just staying behind because that's the big thing. Every year we fall further behind, the purchasing power of that 17 cent gas tax just becomes weaker and weaker. Um, and we see less and less work getting done with that same amount of money. So. And so that would be 10 cents on gas and 10 on diesel, or would there be no increase on the diesel? Fund? Yes, it's, it's, Sorry. it's all fuels. And the, the one thing that this proposal does include also is a um, significantly similar on all types of fuels. So oh, okay. it, would, it would include gas and diesel and then alternative fuels as well. Mm-hmm. That would be um, up to the Department of Revenue through the rulemaking process to try to do those equations. But it would make sure that all levels of, uh, of powering are kind of taxed at the same level. Sure. So, you know, in these last few days, of course, we have a lot of our priorities that we're trying to move forward. But like you mentioned, there's a lot of different uh, personalities and priorities in the state capitol. And everybody wants, of course, their bill to get done by the last day of session. So aside from what we see in the media, what is the state capitol really like the last week of session? You know, you never know because any last week could be different because it could be one issue that dominates the whole week. Mm -hmm where the Senate works hard to get one thing done, or the House is really pushing on one issue or one type of issue. So you never really know, but your typical last week of session is just pretty crazy. It's actually kind of the most um, most television-like week of the entire year, where you see horse trading going on, like, like you said, which was perfect, is people have different priorities. Mm-hmm. And they may or may not hold up someone else's priority in these last weeks just to make sure that theirs gets done first. So it becomes a quite a pressure game where leadership has to take their real role, that they really have a major role in this because they get to say what is and isn't coming to the floor, sure. and those pressures just get crazy. So it's it, theirs doesn't go before ours, or ours doesn't go before theirs, and the pressures become very heavy. But this is the biggest time where you actually do see some of that stereotypical horse trading back and forth mm-hmm. of you pass my bill, then we'll push for yours, um, and then who goes first kind of becomes a big deal. As we go into these this last week, you know, um, leadership of the House and Senate came into session looking at tort reform and labor reform issues and tax reform. It'll be interesting to see, you know, we all have the issues that we see most important, um, but it'll be interesting to see where those pressures come in as well as we look to see if those dominate the conversation in this last week. Because floor time will be precious, but it'll be interesting to see where 
where those issues come up as well, because I know that the uh, groups that are pushing on both sides of that are very interested to see where this session ends up. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a busy few days for you. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule and maybe some sleepless nights to update the members this week. So we wish you the best of luck in the next few days. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, it's uh, Getting this in on Monday, I appreciate it because uh, the next few days are, are completely unpredictable. So hopefully <laughs> it'll be fun and we'll come out with a few more victories as we see the session unfold. You know, with Eric being out uh, this week, let's turn it over to you. Uh, what's going on in Washington, D.C.? I know there's been a lot of talk about a farm bill, um, but there's definitely other issues going on. So what's up? Uh, what's new in Washington? So you're absolutely right. It is Farm Bill Week in the United States House of Representatives. Uh, like you mentioned just a few moments ago, um, you never really know what's going to be going on in any given week in Washington. Sometimes the chambers are working on a lot of different things, and sometimes they may just be working uh, to get one thing across the finish line. And that is certainly the case in the House of Representatives this week. Uh, we are hopeful to, to see the Farm Bill come to the floor on Thursday and then hopefully be voted on uh, and we hope passed out of the House on Friday. Uh, there was an amendment filing deadline last Friday, which was May 11th. Um, we had about 104 amendments filed uh, to be offered to the Farm Bill. Now, not all of those will likely be made in order. The House Rules Committee still has to meet to see which amendments they're going to allow and which ones they're not going to allow. And that meeting should happen tomorrow. So we'll have a much more clear vision at that point of what the Farm Bill floor time is going to look like. Um, of course, Missouri Farm Bureau is supportive of a unified Farm Bill that includes farm programs and nutrition programs as well. Uh, but we've mentioned on previous episodes that the Farm Bill has taken a bit of a partisan turn here over the past month or so. Um, so I think it's going to be difficult to pass a bipartisan Farm Bill. But at the end of the day, we're hopeful that they have the votes to get it off the House floor. Yeah, I, uh, I don't follow that every single day, but I do read what's going on at the federal level and have seen a lot of back and forth over what's going to happen, especially with the nutrition programs. I'm sure there's some of the ag programs, too, um, that are getting definitely a partisan look at this point. I was seeing some questions as to whether or not the votes would be there. What's your prediction? Do you think we will in the end? So last week, uh, I was told that Chairman Conaway was not confident at that point that he had the number of votes needed to pass the bill. Uh, but over the weekend, that tide seems to have turned a little bit. You know, some members were able to go back home over the weekend, maybe hear from some constituents. I know many of our members have taken advantage of our action center and sent messages to their legislators. So so coming back to the district and hearing those opinions, I think, is really helpful and has maybe, um, like I said, kind of turned the tide the other way. Um, at the end of the day, I am hopeful that it gets across the finish line, but I wouldn't want to speculate on how many we've got and how many how many we won't have. So um, certainly, you know, amendments are a huge factor in the farm bill process. Um, there are going to be some amendments offered that will undermine the current crop insurance program, which Farm Bureau certainly opposes. Um, amendments on the current sugar policy and things like imposing payment limitations on those farm programs. All of those provisions are really non-starters in the agricultural community. And Chairman Conaway has has stated publicly that if those amendments are adopted, he will bring the bill down. So we are it, it is very um, it's a very fluid situation at this point, uh, but it's my first Farm Bill with Farm Bureau, so I'm really excited about it. Well, it sounds like a busy week for sure. So uh, Farm Bill on the House floor by Thursday, it looks like, with a lot of amendments to try to get through. Um, as far as the Senate side of the 
conversation. Where's that looking as of now? So at this point, the Senate is still holding their version of the farm bill. Um, I've been told that it will be released soon after the House gets theirs through the chamber. Um, however, like I said, at this point, the situation's still very fluid. So um, hopefully in the next few days, we'll have a little more clarity on whether or not we have the votes and then what the Senate is going to do. Um, just my personal opinion, I think the Senate bill is going to look completely different from the House bill, um, which may not come as a surprise to some, but may, may it may surprise you. I think some of those nutrition provisions that have taken such a partisan turn, they just don't have the ability to lose votes like that in the Senate. Mm-hmm. You have to have 60 votes to even pass the bill. Um, so it's really difficult when that takes such a partisan turn to to put those provisions in and still get the bill across the finish line. So that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, sounds like we both have a pretty busy week. So uh, thanks for giving us the update and uh, keep us updated as things move on the farm bill. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Leslie Holloway is our Director of Regulatory Affairs. And Leslie, it's great to have you back this week. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what's going on in your world and some of the things you've been working on. Thanks, Spencer. Um, The one issue that I thought maybe talk a little bit about uh, is uh, something that Department of Conservation has tried to raise awareness on with uh, in the ag community as well as conservation community. But feral hogs um, are causing uh, significant damage in some areas of Missouri Um, Feral hogs are actually an increasing problem throughout the nation, but in Missouri, uh, we have uh, feral hogs detected at some level in about 30 counties now, largely south of the Missouri River. And so the Department of Conservation has stepped up its efforts to try to eradicate feral hogs from the landscape. And um, we have policy. We uh, members adopted policy saying that we do believe feral hogs are an unacceptable risk to humans and livestock and support federal and state eradication efforts. So we have seen the Department of Conservation really uh, increase their resources behind trapping, which they see as being the most effective way of ultimately eradicating these animals. Um, They are very concerned that there's a perception that um, feral hogs should be treated as wildlife. Uh, They do not believe that um, feral hogs are wildlife under terms of the state law and and their biological research. So they are uh, treating it as a nuisance, and we expect that we will hear more about their efforts as they continue to try to address the risk. Sure. So what really is the history of this issue in Missouri? You know, how did this all get started? And and what kinds of damages should landowners be looking for or watching for to see if they might have a problem? Well, you know, the the populations uh, started out in the southern part of the United States and seems to have expanded. In some cases, um, there have been trans- there's been transport of feral hogs to various parts of the state for different reasons. Um, And and in some cases, many years ago, there may have been hogs just released uh, from um, domestic uh, captivity. Um, And so they have to try to fight the the increase on a number of of fronts. But there is certainly a a disease risk to livestock and uh, especially with uh, hog production. So 
there there is the the issue of trying to control that that disease risk as well as the destruction of of property both mm-hmm. private property and and public lands and so the department has essentially prohibited uh, hunting on any lands that are within their control, whether they own or manage property. And they are uh, encouraging landowners to notify them if they become aware of any feral hogs in the area so that conservation officials can come and um, set traps. Um, the, the trapping is most effective when there isn't um, hunting going on in the same area, these mm-hmm. the, the uh, feral hogs are apparently pretty uh, pretty sharp, and they <laughs> figure out pretty quickly that if there's hunting going on, they don't want to be in that area. Sure. So even some of that type of of chase can move them away from where the trapping might otherwise be effective. Right, and I think one of the issues that I've heard about related to feral hogs is the issue of hunting versus eradication versus management. So can you talk a little bit about the differences and how that relates to Missouri Farm Bureau policy? That that's really the crux of the of the issue and it, it's a question of whether you try to manage a population like they do with deer mm-hmm. or whether you actually try to eradicate the population and in this case the um the determination's been made they they propagate rapidly. Sure. And so there is no way to control them simply by uh, hunting. Mm-hmm. It, it, it would be more. They Department of Conservation um, killed over 6,500 of these hogs oh in 2017. In 2016, it was about 5,500. And that was with uh, an increase in their trapping efforts, thanks, mm-hmm. thanks to their, their increase in their trapping efforts. Prior to that, they hadn't uh, had the resources that they put towards trapping, and so they were in much lower levels, still in the 2,000 range. But um, the, the the trapping that they uh, put um, out on a, an extended, um, comprehensive um, plan has been successful in at least increasing the numbers that they're that they're securing now. So they are they are trying to figure out how best to promote the trapping and and the eradication uh, rather than making it appear to be more of a a management type issue. Sure, absolutely. I know you mentioned the Missouri Department of Conservation, but are there any other agencies, state or federal, that that really work on this issue? Yes, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the uh, Animal and Plant Health uh, Inspection Service, APHIS, also provides uh, support, both financial support and technical support, uh, to the Department of Conservation. Um, Department of our Missouri Department of Agriculture, uh, of course, in terms of disease risk, mm-hmm. is is also involved to some extent with trying to make sure that we monitor what kind of disease risk is out there. The State Veterinarian's Office uh, works in that regard. But, um, yeah, the, the federal funding actually has been very um, helpful in getting Missouri's trapping effort uh, ramped up and um, trying to do, get the same type of activity going on in other states. Sure. Well, it sounds like a very complex issue and something that's been uh, an issue in Missouri for several years now and something we've been keeping track of. So appreciate all your work on that, and um, I would appreciate you joining us this week. Great. Thank you. Thank you.
Thanks for joining us for this edition of Digging In. As a reminder, if you are a teacher, you can go to our website, www.mofb.org, to fill out your Agriculture in the Classroom mini-grant application. Those applications are due no later than May 31st. Join us next week as we discuss issues that are important to Missouri Farm Bureau members. Thanks. We'll see you next time. 